Good morning podcast, welcome to the Pierre Tillembert Show, I am Pierre, your host, and today you are on a special episode with James Popsy. Guys, James is a travel and landscape photographer that I've been trying to have that podcast with for quite some time, and I'm very pleased to bring that conversation to you because today we're going to be digging into how he got started into landscape photography, how did he get started with his YouTube channel, and most importantly, how he approaches the whole creative exercise of taking photos. And I think that part will be gold for you, especially when we talk about what the stories are behind shots and how do you actually convey that story to your viewer behind just the photo. And to top it off, we will be talking about creative blog and how to get out of it. So I'm very pumped to share that conversation with you guys. So if you're ready, grab your phone and get some context on James. Hit him up on Instagram or on YouTube. It's James and then Popsy, P-O-P-S-Y-S. And if you're ready, let's get started. Let's welcome James to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, James. Thank you very much. I feel like we've been trying to do this for, well, too long. And I've just been, I kept saying I was busy and uh, it's good to get started. Yes, I think it's been since I started the podcast. So it's it's a good time to start now. Um, James, I've got a question for you. If I say photography, what is the one photo that shows up in your mind right now? Oh, um, I'd say it's a Chris Bacard photo, the, um, the cover of Under an Arctic Sky. That's a good, I've never heard that question before. That's a good one. Ah, I, li- I like your answer. What, what, what impacts you in that photo? Well, I think it's because, um, I mean, basically it's probably for the same reason that I love uh, watching kind of photography channels on YouTube and that I spend a lot of time making videos for YouTube is that with, with that one, obviously there's a a Netflix documentary that you kind of get to see the behind the scenes of the the image. And that kind of gives you so much more perspective about the photo. It kind of tells you the story of how difficult it was to get the kind of suffering that went into it. um, The adventure that went into it, the relationships that went into it. And for me, at least, that kind of having moving images that can tell the story of a still is always going to result in a more memorable, more interesting photo. So um, I guess that's probably the reason. But like I said, I've never, I've never come across that question before. So I didn't necessarily know that that would have been the answer had you, uh, had you not asked it. That's, yeah, that's why I love uh, asking because it's, it's not something we, we think about intuitively. And, uh, and that's why... I, if you ask the question, there is always an image that pops up in your mind. Like, like even if it starts with a roll of 20, there is one that's at the beginning and that's the interesting part. I love what you're saying on story and the behind the shot. Is that, you would say, why you kind of started documenting and like shooting your own YouTube videos? I think so. I think so. I mean, you know, I, I do, I love photography, but photography for me has always been like a kind of a secondary thing, really. It's kind of, um, I I like photography because it's a way of documenting an experience or a place or a time in your life, not necessarily because I love photography as like the, the primary hobby or the primary job. It's kind of, it's a means to other things in many ways. And so kind of having a YouTube channel means that I kind of get to relive, um, 
times of of my life or particular trips where I was getting particular photos and both those things together kind of helped me to kind of remember what typically are quite enjoyable experiences, not always, but typically quite enjoyable experiences. So I think that, you know, being able to, to tell stories about photos and to be able to, as I said, with, with that image of Chris's being able to kind of um, go behind the scenes of the shot just kind of helps to um, almost kind of separate your work from, from other people, not necessarily in terms of quality, but in terms of, the reason for existing. And, uh, as we speak about a lot as photographers, it's, it's always kind of an increasingly, um, populated marketplace. And so any way that you can, um, get to talk about your work more or to explain what it is that you're trying to do, um, is going to have the benefit of, of other people understanding it better, which, uh, which I don't think is ever a bad thing. That makes sense. I, it, in a way, it, it gives context behind it. It's like the the photo is a cherry on on top of the cake, but there is a whole cake that no one sees. That's exactly it. And and for all that we try to um, to tell stories with images and try to kind of get across what it is that we've experienced or what we've enjoyed, what we've not enjoyed, the kind of the people that we've um, experienced things with, the places that we've been for all that we try to do that in single images or even in sets of images, sometimes it's quite difficult. And I think you can always tell a more rounded story when you've, you're able to put words to those images and pictures to those images as well. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of, that wasn't the intention at the start of my kind of YouTube experience. Basically I kind of, I was, um, in New Zealand for a long, well, it's supposed to be a two month trip. We booked it wrong. So it ended up a bit longer than that, but I was, I was with Emily and we were, doing a bit of a tour of New Zealand and we wanted a way to document it outside of me taking photos because I'd, well, I mean, that's what I'd spend all my time doing otherwise. And I think Emily had got a bit sick of it. So I managed to persuade her <laughs> that somehow video would be different from that. Uh, and it wasn't really, but it went, what it meant was that we, we kind of got um, more diverse content that, that has, um, two or three years on enabled us to look back at that trip in a different way that we hadn't been able to before. So I took a load of video footage, had no idea how to edit it at the time, but got back, put it on YouTube and and found to my amazement that I, I really enjoyed the experience. And so that very quickly became part of what I tried to do with my time, really. That's pretty cool. How did you balance it out because um maybe you can tell us a little bit more did you have a, a full-time job at the time if you were on holiday i guess so and what was it yeah so it was it was a bit of a strange set of circumstances really i mean so i um had a normal office job a marketing job in uh london right from when i left university up until uh the back end of 2015 when emily and i who is my fiance, we decided to move to Sydney. We had some friends in Sydney. We'd been to Sydney in the past and always loved it when we'd been. So we wanted to move to Sydney. And at the time we had no idea how long that was going to be for, but after 18 months, we decided it was too far away and that we missed home basically. And, and also I kind of, I wanted the opportunity to branch out and to try and give professional photography ago because it had been a just a hobby basically for a long time before that and I was dedicating all my evenings all my weekends to that pursuit and it was going to be very difficult to set up shop 
in Sydney, a long way from home and a long way from the kinds of the parts of the world that I wanted to spend time uh, taking photos of. So we decided to come home. And before that, we decided that it was going to be a good time to go back to New Zealand, which is one of our favorite places um, because we didn't know how long it'd be before we could spend, well, two months on the wrong side of the world. From where <laughs> we so, so it kind of it just worked out to be a, a good time to do that trip. And then the plan was that we'd get back and that's when I would start my endeavor to, to become a, a working photographer. And that's exactly what happened. Um, we got pretty lucky in terms of finance from the standpoint that Emily was uh, applying to do PhDs. And as a result, we were staying with parents while she applied and worked out whereabouts in the UK we were going to be based, which meant that I had a a runway essentially of kind of six or nine months, I think it was, where I had to pay very minimal rent to my parents, which is very nice of them. Uh, but it meant that I didn't have kind of huge pressure for the first handful of months to be bringing in new clients and constant invoices and stuff. I could build from the ground up. And that's exactly what I did with, with things like my YouTube channel at that time, really. Um, so it worked very well and we got very lucky. Um, and as, as you will know, it was super hard work and still is, but, um, it's worked out quite nicely and it kind of, um, you know, I'm, a lot of people say to me, you know, what do you want to do next? Is it, is this kind of you now? Is this your dream job? And, and my answer as, as you may find too, is that I don't really know because I'm constantly asking myself the question of, of what could I do next, which is how I ended up here in the first place, I feel. And, um, <laughs> so yeah, who knows? It's, it's a, it's a tough question. What do you want to do next when you are actually doing it in a way? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. And I mean, maybe that's probably where I struggle sometimes because I second guess myself and, and try and, because I got used to for so long wondering how I would get to do what I'm currently doing there is in the back of my mind this this question of could it be better or could I be spending more my my time more efficiently or on something that I enjoyed even more or whatever and the answer probably is um, is that I should take more time to enjoy where I'm at now but there we go that's that's perhaps for a conversation with a therapist more than uh, a <laughs> well I, I think it's a very interesting. Um, it's it's super interesting topic simply because it doesn't apply only in my opinion to what you're saying with life i feel like even if we had to bring it back to just a photo experience you know your whole holidays even if you're not into photography or video and there is always a moment where you get to those holidays and after two days you actually get into it and you kind of forget how much you anticipated it before and how much you wanted to get there and once you're there it's like the magic almost you get caught up in, in the de in the details instead of sitting back and looking at the big picture and being like, wow, let's just enjoy it for a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I find, in fact, on, on that trip that I was talking about before, like I found with, with lots of long trips that I've done that I kind of have this, this ceiling of two weeks and after two weeks, the novelty of, of where I am, regardless of how good it is, wears off and it, it starts to become normal. I think that's one of our, maybe our biggest problems as kind of um, 
citizens, citizens <laughs> of the, the developed world is that we get so used to stuff so quickly. Like you see the the phone, uh, the uh, queues outside Apple stores for for iPhones, but you know for sure, and I've experienced this before that. After two weeks, that phone is is not a new phone. It's just your phone, and you've got used to it, and the the shine's gone off it. You kind of you've gotten completely used to the new features that it has, and it's it's much the same with cameras as all of us as photographers know. You kind of once you get used to something new, it kind of it just becomes normal, and the the shine goes from it. So, yeah, that's that is that's one of the that is so things. true. Uh, maybe I'm going to ask you if you do that, and maybe anyone in listening might be doing the same. When you get a new camera, do you get like super cautious or a new lens? And then after a week you start or two, you start just throwing it in your bag as if it was normal. I, I, I do. But the what I find annoying about that is not the, the time when I kind of, um, I start throwing it in my bag. What I find annoying is the time when I'm, I'm looking after it and I'm making sure I don't get any scratches or, or any dust or on anything, because that's, that's not really how cameras should be treated, which, which sounds odd because people probably say, well, you know, maybe you get given cameras or you get discount off cameras or whatever. And that's, that's not really the point. Cameras are tools. And I think if you can't afford to, to break your camera or to have problems with your camera, then you probably can't afford the camera because it, yeah. needs, it needs to be used. Like it needs to be, out in the world in quite harsh environments. And, you know, I've been, I've been on workshops and on trips and expeditions and stuff before where I've, there have been times where I've kind of had to dump a camera into the snow to go and make sure that I'm say capturing a time lapse on another camera and that I'm not missing stuff. And I've had to just, just ditch one of them <laughs> minutes or, or slam it down onto a rock just to go and make sure that I'm getting something else with, with another camera and people, People can't really believe it when they see that, but firstly, it, it, most cameras these days are, are pretty rugged, and secondly, you kind of that's that's what they're built for. They're built to to get an end result, and if you're you're too scared to use them in a way that yields an end result, then it's pointless having them. So, um, so yeah, I do find that I definitely find that I when I first kind of get a camera, I'm, I'm looking after it and I'm making sure it's not got any scratches or any, any problems with it or anything. But I find that part, part of the, the ownership, the most annoying kind of when that wears off, I, I, I get a sense of relief because I know that I can get down to business with it and, and probably get the most from it. That's, I, I love what you're saying um, because it's, it is literally a tool. And if you're not able to use it, if you're not, fearless enough to use it in, in conditions where it's going to be more difficult, but it's going to yield different results and maybe the one you were trying to get, but you're a little afraid. Um, I, I definitely will agree with you that you need to, uh, it's a good segue where like, if you can't afford it, if you can't afford to break it, maybe you shouldn't even use it in the first place. Um, because I remember Casey Neistat a few years ago, I remember watching one of his videos and he keeps breaking cameras. But I remember him saying he would choose the shot over the camera every single time. <laughs> and and I, I feel the same. I feel a lot of the time when I, you know, when I see people on, on workshops and things and they've got super expensive cameras and they're being really, really careful with them. And, and, and I'm, I'm not an advocate for 
breaking cameras unnecessarily or mistreating cameras unnecessarily or or wasting anything like i'm i'm really not but at the same time i'd prefer somebody to to have a camera they're willing to use properly even if it's not a camera that's as capable as something that they technically could buy but couldn't necessarily afford to use properly um and makes I don't sense know if that makes sense or not but yeah it's kind no of it, it makes sense it's like the guy that buys a ferrari but cannot afford to put gas in it you know absolutely yeah that's a good one i have a question that i've been asked a few times and it's kind of i think you're going to be way better than me to answer that one how do you kind of get started with landscape photography um good question i kind of is it's interesting to me this question i because i get it as well sometimes and i always have trouble trying to work out whether i would define myself as a landscape photographer or not in the first place because i take lots of photos that involve landscapes typically i'm trying to convey something that's kind of in the landscape as opposed to the the landscape itself and also i kind of lots of people ask me for advice about things like um tripods and and filters because they see lots of landscape photographers working very methodically with those two things and i I hate working with tripods and I hate working with filters and I hate waiting for light and things. I'd much prefer to be kind of running around experiencing a place and taking a hundred photos. And if one of them works great, if not, I've had a great time running around. So I, <laughs> I work quite differently to, um, to how a lot of kind of people who define themselves as, as landscape photographers would work. My route into, um, into photography was a bit of a strange one in that I, I really struggled at first because I kind of saw photography as this, like a, a potential creative outlet. Like I, I always considered myself a creative person, but I, I never kind of honed in on a particular creative pursuit. And I thought photography could be it until I, I lived in London and would go and find unique compositions or, or ways to take photos. And as a beginner, I really struggled because everything that I saw um, I'd, I'd already seen before and therefore it seemed pointless to take photos of. Um, and mm. that's, when I, that's when I discovered um, composite photography. So I, I discovered how to use layering in Photoshop and how to blend images together. And then that kind of, that was my, um, the lighting of the match for me as far as photography was concerned, because I could, my imagination was the limit basically rather than, the places that I could go that were different to places other people had been to take photos. Um, so that was kind of the, the catalyst for me. And then I, I did that for a while um, as a commercial photographer. I, I did composite photography. Um, and it was only when I started spending a lot more time trying to make videos that I realized I didn't have the patience to sit at a computer for as long as I'd need to, if I was going to edit composite images, which in some cases took 30 or 40 hours to put together and edit videos. So I kind of had to, to choose one of the two. And as I said before, I didn't, didn't quite anticipate how much I'd enjoy um, the making of the YouTube videos. That's interesting. I, 
Uh, so I want to segue on, uh, actually go back on what you said about like the photographers in landscape who have the tripod and going to spend like a long time setting up the shot versus you running around like a wild rabbit. So I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just saying it that way. It sounds more fun. Um, how do you, what, what's your philosophy? Do you think one is better than the other? Do you, have you tried to sit down with your tripod for hours? Tell me more. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I think one is better than the other, but I don't think the answer is the same for any two people. So mm -hmm. I, I think it's so important that you find what works for you. And and whenever I, you know, people ask, as as I'm sure they do for you too, people ask me a lot um, if I can look at their images and give my opinion or um, what my opinion is on on certain aspects of photography. And I'm I always kind of Um, give the prerequisite that what I'm giving them is is literally just one person's opinion, and regardless of someone else's experience or their achievements with a camera, you know, even if you have like a a world class photographer, which I wouldn't class myself as, you know, even if you have someone that's achieved everything in their pursuit, they're still just one person, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're better than other people. Um, or that their their opinion and their method is is better than what anyone else might come up with. So it's it's all about finding what works for you and I to put it kind of bluntly, you know, if I go to a place and I I sit with my tripod set up because I found a composition and I'm just waiting for some light or I'm waiting for golden hour or whatever it might be, I get really bored. Like as I said, <laughs> photography is like a it's really a secondary thing, you know, it's it's I'm more in I'm, when I'm taking photos, I'm enjoying it because I'm enjoying what I'm taking photos of. I'm enjoying being in an amazing place or witnessing something incredible. That's for me, that's the joy and photography is just the, the way to kind of make sure that I can, I can see it more in future. Um, so, you know, finding what works for you. I mean, there, I know plenty of other people who, who really enjoy setting up a tripod and, and being methodical and um, having a particular image and maybe going to recce for one particular image. Um, That makes sense. But you, you know, sense. Yeah. It's, it's, it's different for everybody, really. Oh, it totally is. Um, the reason is that I'm, I was really digging into it is that, well, I get asked the same questions with like, Uh, the gear and like what tripod and, and the tripod question is literally the question I would never think I would ever get. It's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like, it's like take anything that's, it, it, it doesn't matter. They're all the same uh, kind of. Um, but yeah, after that, that, that like section, like how do you do landscape photography, you know? And I've talked, I had Nigel on the podcast, who's I, I believe from what I've seen and, and understood from him, he's very methodological. Um, yes. and, and his approach with his tripod and everything. And at the back of my head, I couldn't help but think, am I crazy? Because I don't think I could stay for 40 minutes in the same spot with my tripod at the same location. And I was kind of asking myself. So when people were asking me advice, I'm like, well, I don't know what I should tell them. If, should I tell them, no, actually do whatever you want. Just run around or try to stay long enough to get the, the one shot you, you think you can get. 
Um, I'm more like you where I'm just going to run everywhere, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think that what I try to say to people is that, for me at least, uh, photography is is much more about the process than the end result. Like I I love, as I say, kind of just being outdoors in in some incredible place or or on, I don't know, an incredible bus journey or whatever it might be. And that for me is, is, is the goal. It's not necessarily, um, taking photos that I'm going to be really pleased with. That's the taking of the photos is more just so I can, I can remember it. And it turns out that, you know, that's how I, I make my money now as well. So it's, it's handy to be able to, to document it well, but yeah. as far as kind of the, um, the enjoyment goes, it's kind of, it's all about just, just the process. And, and just going on to, to what you said there about Nigel, you know, he, he is someone I think having, having kind of seen him work a number of times, he is someone that you can tell loves the way that he does things. He, he really, really enjoys how he does things, which means that for him, he's, he's doing it right. And, um, for me, Mm -hmm. I work an entirely different way, which I think for me means that I'm I'm doing it right. So when people ask if if they're doing it the right way or if I'm doing it the right way or you know is there some kind of middle ground I think the the most important thing is to to try lots of different stuff and and see what sticks because as I say that I think there is a right yeah, I totally agree with you. I think the most important is, is just that do you and be happy with what you're doing. If you're not happy, try something different and, and see what, where that takes you, if that makes you feel happier. Um, yeah. I, I almost wanted to compare it to fishing. You know, like some people like to sit and like pull line and wait for the fish to go. And some people like to fly fish and walk in the rivers, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's the closest analogy I found lately. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and that's exactly it. And I think a lot of the time, um, there's there's a tendency to um, to want to look at photography as like a quite a scientific thing, you know, like the way we the way we assess gear, uh, the way we talk about things like composition, the way we um, talk about things like color theory and light. Like, there's a real push in some cases to to want to think about photography as like a, a sweet science, but in reality. It, it's still very much an art, which means that it's all about individuality. It's all about creativity. It's all about coming up with your own way of doing things. Um, and that is can be quite counterintuitive, I think, particularly for somebody who, um, like you, makes videos which are at least to some degree kind of instructional or um, made with the intention of of trying to help people or give people tips, is that you need to be quite conscious that there is no right answer and that um, people don't have to do things your way. And the way that you do things isn't necessarily the right way. You know, it's just a way. And as long as you're clear about that, then I think hopefully, you know, you can still find that you, you're able to help some people providing that that is the, the primary message that it's, it's most important that you find a way that works for you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What works for you is uh, the key. But it takes many trials and many years to get to, in my opinion. And that can be part of the fun as well, you know. Like it's, we're all on a journey of uh, improvement, and it's kind of it's a fruitless task because I don't think any of us get to the point where we we feel like, oh, we we couldn't possibly get better at 
taking pictures. I think all of us will constantly be on this journey that will probably no doubt have any end. And that the point is that we that we enjoy the journey, not necessarily just when we get to a, a place when we're super happy with every single photo that we take, because I don't think that, that ever happens. That's 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 so funny. I had to encourage you to watch my video that's dropping tomorrow about the Knobox and just skip straight. I mean, you can watch the whole thing, but skip straight to the last 30 seconds of the video. There's a blooper, and I think you will you you will be quite surprised because it feels like we're repeating or, or we're talking about the same thing I, I talked about completely randomly the other day. It oh, doesn't make sense in the video, but it's it's kind of funny. Okay. Um uh, <laughs> uh, James, tell me about that. Tell me about a bad image with a great story. Do you would you have that in mind? A bad image with a great story. Um, let me think. I was about to try and quickly look at my website, but I don't think I'd ever put anything that I hated on my website. A bad image with a good story. Hmm. I don't know. I don't mind to think about that. I mean, I've, you know, don't get me wrong. I've taken thousands of bad images, but uh, the only one, that, I mean, it's one of those things. If I had three hours, I bet I could come up with thousands of terrible images I've taken and then talk about all the pitfalls I'd, uh, I'd come across trying to get them. The only one that I can think of is when I was in Greenland last year, And uh, I was getting way too excited trying to take photos of these incredible whales. And it was the first time in a long time that I'd shot re with um, super thick gloves on. As you can imagine, Greenland, it was very, very cold. And I kept, without knowing, sticking my finger or my thumb across the camera to switch to manual focus. And it was only oh. a super slight movement. But the result was that all of the pictures that I took of this whale, and we were there, I don't know, two hours trying to take these photos of whales, every single one of them was somewhere between slightly out of focus and horrifically out of focus. <laughs> and so, yeah, that was, that was an, uh, a, a lesson in, in wearing gloves and taking photos. I'm trying to think of others. Uh... That's a, that sounds pretty fun already um, in, in the sense where it's not only so similar stuff have happened to me. And I kind of want to ask you, what was your lesson that you took away from it? Um, so the lesson was either let my hands freeze, don't wear gloves, or if I am wearing gloves, keep my thumb well away from the camera anytime I'm about to press the shutter. That's what I learned from that. So I haven't had that experience again yet. So fingers crossed that's fixed it. I I started doing something where, because that has happened to me, not with gloves, but just with situation where I get so excited and 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 I just yeah I just start shooting and stuff and and I forget to review at least one or two images, and then when I don't do that, I end up with a theory that might have had a problem or like that stupid lens hood that I actually just lost was broken. And so it would turn uh, 45 degree and suddenly it would add vignette on all the images when I, I was wide. And that was literally a lesson where it's like, whatever your situation and you know, it's really good or you're getting really excited. 
I started just reviewing, like zooming in into each photo, taking like five seconds, 10 seconds. It doesn't take more than that. I'm just forcing myself to do it. 100%. And I, I think, I think that, that kind of, um, it's one of the reasons that I think I take so many photos and that I much prefer kind of rushing around to get lots of different compositions and angles and stuff as opposed to setting up and just getting a couple of shots. Because I know that some people prefer to literally just get one photo you know they don't even get a backup they don't they don't really check yeah. the photos. There's, there's no kind of concern that there might be something <laughs> that they haven't spotted on the back of their camera that could cause problems in the future no they don't seem to suffer from that whereas me i'm the kind of person that when i travel i'll take like seven travel adapters in case six of them don't work because I think <laughs> yeah. that would cause disaster. And so I, I like to kind of try and build in redundancy. And I think it's because of experiences like that, where you just, you get home and you find out that you've not got what you hoped for. And uh, you then try and tell yourself what I was talking about before, which is it's about the process, not the result. And uh, sometimes I, I'm not very good at taking my own advice on that one. Wavelength. So, yeah, that makes sense. You speaking of the process actually makes me uh, question something. I want to ask you, it's something I ask kind of everyone, every guest. It's how do you get out of the creative block? What advice do you give people? And, and like, how do you do it for yourself? Um, I think I I kind of take time away from whatever the issue is. So I think a lot of the time, if I'm finding that I'm not taking photos, that I'm I'm happy with, then I'll just give myself some time away from taking photos, which sounds kind of um, kind of completely against what I said about the process. You'd kind of think that I'd, I'd approach it by just trying to enjoy the process more. But I think a lot of the time, you know, regardless of how much you enjoy something, you can just have too much of it. And I find that there's kind of a, for me at least, there's a, there's a sweet spot for um, the amount of work that I do and the the amount of work that I create as a result of that and, and being happy with it. So I find if if I'm out and about taking too many photos, if I'm doing too many trips, if I'm spending too much time trying to take photos, then that can have as negative effect on my overall output as not being out enough trying to take photos. I, th I think there's a, a real sweet spot. And it'll be different for everyone. You know, some people will only get joy from being out kind of once every couple of months with their camera in the hills or, or wherever they like to take photos. And for other people, they might find that unless they go out with their camera every day, they kind of get into a funk and that they, they can't really get into the swing of it. I guess, again, it's, it's different for everyone, but I certainly find that more often than not, if I'm not happy with, with what I'm creating, either with images or, YouTube videos, whatever it might be, it's more often than not because I'm I'm trying to do too much of it and I'm trying to to force it. Um, so yeah, I kind of I try to to go and just do something completely different. Like I I really like golf. Typically, I play golf. Uh, I like cycling, and I'll just try and do things like that to to take my mind somewhere completely different. Um, and that's that's how I try and resolve it a lot of the time. That's that's great advice, I think, for anyone, um, especially because a lot of people, I mean, they, they just get bored because they're always in the same location, you know, 
or they shoot too much their city and uh, and life gets in the way. I get a lot of messages like that. They're like, yeah, you're always in cool places, but how do you deal with it when you're when you're kind of in the same area? Do you have you're you're a lot in the Lake District, if I'm correct? Do you have a recommendation of how to you make it fresh again for yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of um, it's it's difficult because uh, like the answer really is is sometimes at least for me to try and take myself to different places and and the response that you get from that is is that that's a expensive uh b time consuming and i definitely get that and i think it comes back to um to spending too much time doing stuff like you can have too yeah. much of a good thing and if it, i think it's it's normal that if you spend too much time in in one place uh that you're going to get bored of it or you're you're not going to enjoy it as much as you used to and i think it comes back to that point we were talking about before about um normalization and and just kind of the the novelty of something wearing off and i think it's kind of you can make parallels between the process of actually shooting the photos and the process of editing like if you were to to spend I don't know, 24 hours straight editing one photo. I think chances are that <laughs> at the end of it, it would look horrific. It would look horrible. It would look completely disgusting. And that's because you've spent too much time with it. Like the way to deal with it is to, to deal with it in, in real small chunks so that every time that you come back to it, you've got a fresh pair of eyes. Um, and so that's kind of the way that I approach editing photos, but it's also the way that I try and approach shooting. It's kind of a little and often, um, or, or making sure that you at least, um, you don't spend too much time doing it. And when you enjoy it or you do it as a job, that can be quite challenging. But I think everybody, um, kind of has a limit in terms of their capacity for things like attention and creativity and knowing where that limit is for you is, um, is important i think yeah that definitely i think we we're gonna leave everyone with those thoughts because it's yeah it's just great uh what you just said especially about the the part where you you can't overdo it and taking it in small chunks is literally something i suggested uh or i got suggested even like for heavy headed people used to tell me back in the days that like do an hour on it then let it sit come back at it tomorrow look at it with different mm -hmm. eyes and you will change it and, and just do that until you can uh, refine it and uh, i like the way you you put the parallel between that and photography even going to shoot out there um, that's really good so james i want to thank you for your time i want to be mindful also uh, otherwise i think it's going to be bedtime for you in the uk soon and uh I kind of want to ask uh, just simply, where can people find you online? Where do you want them to find you? What do you want them to look at? Uh, so, yeah, if if they wanted to check out my YouTube channel, um, you can just type in my name, which is James, and then P-O-P-S-Y-S, Popsis. Um, I also have an Instagram account by the same name. Uh, they're the two places, really. I have a website with you know, I sell, sell the odd print, and I have a book. Um, aside from that, though, I think uh, people should should go out and shoot, unless they've done too much of it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much, James. We'll talk to you maybe in the next episode. Thanks, Pierre. 
Alright guys, I hope you have enjoyed the discussion. Remember, go check out James on Instagram and on YouTube at JamesPopsys, P-O-P-S-Y-S. And remember, hit us up anywhere, Twitter, anywhere, and let us know your thoughts. We kind of curious, are you more of a fast shooter or a slow shooter? It's kind of interesting to hear all the different philosophies around there. With that being said, guys, get out there, go shoot, try something different, try something new, and share that podcast with your friend, your family, your groups, everyone. I can't wait to hear from you. Talk to you later. Bye.